everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad Brown, and this episode, I sit down with Dan and Adrian, and we talk about bringing work frustration home. This is something we haven't really touched on very much on the podcast, but when our frustration at work, you know, something that we talk a lot about, founders, founder frustration, that kind of stuff, when that tends to bleed over at home, which it often does, what do we do? How do we stay focused and present at home regardless of what's going on at work? There's so many good little pieces of wisdom um, and experience from both Dan and Adrian in this episode. I had a fantastic time recording it and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Chad. I'm here with Adrian and Dan. How are you, gentlemen? Doing great. Alive and above ground. Great. Well, let's uh, let's tackle uh, one of our favorite topics today. <laughs> I feel like that needed more response than what I gave it. Uh, I'm glad you're above ground, Dan. I, I was thinking minutes before we got on this call together that Dan might be below ground. I, listen, <laughs> I, think about I was thinking he's above ground, but not alive. I, that's <laughs> I would have hoped I would have got an invite if he was below ground. That's right. <laughs> I just, it's something that just passes through my mind every morning. Another day above ground. Yay. <laughs> well, one of our favorite things to talk about with founders and executives is the frustration that they experience. And um, this is a, you know, this is a term that we address a lot and we talk about what's coming up in the frustration. What is the frustration? How is the obstacle the way? And what another, like combining that idea with this thing that I hear often from executives, business owners, founders is they're, they're often experiencing this frustration at work and then taking it home. And the story that they tell is that I'm allowing, like I'm taking my work home with me and that strains my relationship with the people that I care the most about. And so we haven't talked much. We've talked a lot about frustration in the workplace, like with your people who are on your teams, who's on your executive teams, that kind of stuff. We haven't talked a lot about what to do with this frustration or, or how, like, what does it take to handle the frustration at work and be who you want to be at home? And um, so I just wanted to have a conversation about this. I think it will be valuable for, the, for those who listen um, as we talk about and start to really start to recognize some of the stories we tell ourselves about the frustration that we experience at work and how it affects, you know, it's almost this, a lot of people, I hear a lot of people talk about it as like a helpless story. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just so frustrated at work. Work was so hard and it just, just can't be here now. Yeah. It bleeds quote unquote bleeds over into home or I bring it home with me. Um, and I know that I've been in those stories and that I've experienced this a lot. And so I'm excited for this conversation as well. I'm hoping to glean a lot of, of uh, knowledge from you two and wisdom from you two. So as we talk about this, if you if you're working with a client that brings this up for you brings this up in the in the coaching conversation where do you go with them what's what are some of the questions you start to ask to to find out more and get a a clear picture on what it is that they're experiencing well i mean first it's it's you know it's got to, it's obviously it's contextual what's the context they're in 
where's the frustration? How's it affecting? Like usually what it shows up like is conflict at home. Like the wife or the, or the husband, the spouse, whoever's working, coming home, bring it home, uh, is disconnected from out of tune with or out of sync with what's happening in the home and feels pressurized to get back into sync. Mm-hmm. And be able to contribute in a way that would be meaningful and um, forward, if you will, not just what needs to get done, but also the relationship, right? The connection and the relationship. So I think it's a pretty common thing. I know a lot of my work has been with couples, professional couples who come up against this. And we spend so much time at work. You know, if you think about it, anybody... Even even if you're working remotely, I work remotely. I've been I've worked remotely. That's why COVID hasn't even affected me. I mean, I, we've been Adrian and I have worked remotely for years, and but I know even that remotely, I'm working and I'm now in the kitchen today, and so it's closed off, you know, because we're doing this, and and I, my wife's doing some projects around the house. Probably see her in the background popping around out there, but we make a point of connecting throughout the day. There's a couple things. If she calls, I take the call. I'll tell anybody I'm talking to, because if she calls, I, she doesn't just call for any reason. She's calling because something's up. You know, I she's number one. I make sure she knows that. If, if, uh, if I think if I have to say to her, well, I'm on a call, I'll first say to the call, let me just check and see if everything's all right. right? But the point being, she, I want her to get that she's, really first and why I'm going to work is for her and for the family. And this is something that came through years of arguments and discussion. And (laughs) I've got scars to show us, but little things, literally we have this thing called, I I do in my mind, it's called five, give her five. I call her five times a day, at least just to see how she's doing, not to talk logistics about family, not to do business, but there's got to be five calls I make to her just to see how she's doing and how she's feeling. And is there anything I can do? Is there anything, you know, how, you know, how you doing? I love you. I make sure she hears I love you and meaningfully in a way that and she gets, I'm there for her. I found and when I used to travel, cause I'd travel two weeks at a time, often, 40, 50% of the year, that was important during the traveling too, because I'm talking to her numerous times during the day and I'd come off a trip and I'd be in sync with the family. I knew where the kids were. I knew what the weekly issues had been. I know what some of the breakthroughs were. I've celebrated. I probably heard some complaints, you know, and, and I'm in sync. So when I come home, I'm not pressurized. I know what's coming. She's very open when I come home to giving me space to get my stuff unpacked and get myself going right so those i noticed those things made a difference i we i traveled for 20 years so and and a lot of our work was take the kids with us but but that was vital because i don't think we would have made it without connecting and eileen does that a lot we we naturally discuss these things but that's a big deal there's so much there dan that i want to dig into adrian you look like you have something else to to add to that before i do Uh, i was just i'm curious about because that's that sounds like what you've learned and what you do now based on a learning yeah. process and finding out what worked well when somebody's listening to this they can say or they could say oh this is what he does to take care of his wife 
or is what he does to, to help minimize trouble. Um, <laughs> that would be the wrong way to think about it. Thank I you. know. So that's <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So that's depending on what you want, there's more trouble coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the wrong so, way, depending on what you want. <laughs> right. So I'm curious. I'm curious about that that journey because you do that now, but you're also talking about what you did while you traveled. So I'd love to hear more about like, you know, what you didn't do or how you learned these things or some of the iterations in the process. Yeah. I started traveling in the early mid eighties and early eighties. And the first three or four years was really bad. I mean, I wanted to leave the company I was working with two or three times because there's so much turmoil at home and I was working for LifeSpring, and so I had some good coaches there, and they would help me. Like, okay, why don't you sit down and talk to your wife? And as we, as you know, took some of the coaching, went talk to her, listened to her, we started to realize together that it was a disconnection issue. Like, her biggest complaint is it took me so long to rejoin the family after I returned from a trip, and then I'd be going again. Yeah, and you know, I had a young son who was a, a year, two years old, three years old, and she felt abandoned and alone and, you know, doing a lot. I mean, she's an incredible force to be, you know, she's amazing. She, she does everything. I mean, she, I mean, cause I wasn't there, right. Dish, bed, lawn, you name it. So her complaint and she's pretty articulate with her emotions too, which so I'm blessed that way, but she was like, look, I just feel abandoned. And so my question was, well, what would make you feel Less event, do you want me to quit my job? And at first we tried that. That didn't work. Because then I wasn't happy and I love the work I do. And and then she saw that and she said, This isn't working. You're not happy. You know, why don't you, you know, maybe you should go back on the road and and do the things you want to do, but let's t- talk about how to met. And we just started working through and when we started getting into the detail about how long it took to get back in, I realized I was so out of touch with the family. Even if I only talked to her once a day, I was out of touch with what was going on with the kids or with my son and later my daughter as she was born. And so I made it a point to talk to her multiple times during the day just for her because of the pressure she was carrying and didn't talk about a lot of what I was doing unless she wanted to know. But just so she could have an outflow and someone who cared about her and, you know, really understood what she was up against. And, you know, and then I noticed when I got home, there were no surprises and she didn't have to unload a ton of stuff. And we were already in the conversation. We were synced up. And so we started really both of us consciously doing that and taking care of each other that way. I mean, literally, it got to the place where this sounds crazy, but one night. I woke up in the middle of the night feeling like she was in trouble, called her, and she was having a panic attack because she had lost her brother sometime before that. And she said, how'd you know the call? I just said, I felt it. Right. And and then I saw, and that happened numerous times when I was on the road where I could feel something. And I think that had to do with we were connected throughout the time. So that made a big difference. And she became a real support. It was weird. As I supported her on the road, she was always very very supportive of me going and traveling. So 
there's so much here and I see so much of my own story in this. I mean, I've, I've had a large part of my career traveling the majority of the time as well. And the way that I used to show up in regards to the travel, and even when it was just going to the studio or going to the office every day is that, uh, when I leave the house, when I, when I get in the car, or shut the door behind me, the home is behind me and the work is in front of me. And the home doesn't become in front of me again until I'm at the door. Bad practice. Though. Bad, bad practice. I'm, I'm already learning so much and I'm, I've, I've experienced the transition, but I haven't never, I haven't really ever named the transition. Yeah. And so um, it's been, it's already been so enlightening for me to hear this and, and put myself or see where my story lines up with what you're talking about. And I'm interested to know, because I know for Katie and I, my wife, we, through coaching with Adrian, we opened up a lot of conversations that weren't being had. And one of them was, hey, what's asshole, up? Hey, asshole, why are you such an asshole when you come home? <laughs> right. I know, edgy, right? Edgy and like, leave me alone. And yeah. That's I, I would. And then she'd try to get me to get involved in the family. I go, do you know what I've been through? Did you know how much money and I've made and what pressure it took? Like, I'll never forget. She looked at me one time and she's doing this. She's rolling this camera. And she goes, hey, Mr. Big Shot, how much do you care about us? Right. Yeah. And, and it really stopped me. That's when I realized that, you know, a lot of my frustration was I felt like it was too much for me to handle all yeah. the weeks that I I hadn't been home for a week and I only talked to her four or five times at this point. So it felt like a lot of weight that she wanted to lay on me about her week. Yes. But I can, but I can, but, but if I do that moment by moment, you know, like five, six, 10 times a day when I'm on the road, just checking in, send her photos, love on her, listen to what she's got to say. She sends me things kids are doing. We're back and forth. It's almost like being there. So, but when I get home, I don't feel, it's like no problem because I don't have all, I'm not going to get a, you know, a dump truck of stuff all at once. And so that makes a difference. This is a, this is really relatable. A, a lot of the, a lot of the people that I talk about that talk to that, that experience this, and I am there too, is feeling dumped on when you get home. You know, the, your, your spouse or your partner wants to tell you everything that happened through the day or everything that you were, go that, that while you were gone, your kids want the attention and the play. They want to play. They want to know what's going on. They want to tell you everything they did. Yeah. The finger painting and the, and all the different projects they did. And who we, sheesh. I'm lunch. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on for you in this conversation, Adrian? I mean, all, all this is true for me. I mean, I'm thinking about now in real time and, you know, mid, late November 2020, you know, it's working in the same space. My kids, this is also now this house is their classroom. Now this, you know, Allie's here. So I definitely have all those feelings. And for me, it's, it, it, it's, uh, I'm torn. A lot of the time I'm torn because I, if I, when I hear my kids downstairs, I want to be there. You know, I actually want to be in the kitchen with them making lunch, but I'm committed here. Or if I hear Ali walk down the stairs, which is right outside that door I'm pointing at right now, it's I want to go connect with her. You know, so it is it's a uh, there's lots of just a natural attention tension built in because my commitments are if I'm if I'm who I want to be, my 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 commitment is all there all the time. 
And I think part of the challenge is, is that we naturally segment our lives to protect ourselves from the yearning and from the disappointment and mm. from the, at least I do, you know, it's like, oh, this is just work time. I'm focused now, you know, and it, it is a way to protect myself from, from uh, my own expectations that I can't meet because I can't be all places at one time or what I make up about their expectations of me. That's um, that's really powerful, really astute, just that yearning. I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I wanted okay. to highlight that. I wanted to punctuate it. And just, I think that's another light bulb turning on for me. I made up that I couldn't hold both spaces while I was at work. And that was to protect myself from feeling bad about not being with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that a lot. I felt that. I mean, I... I that's punctuated for me during my divorce mm. because I literally don't have my kids and you know, there's yearning there and um, a lot of it's outside of my control. And, you know, I mean, I would speak to, to, to empty bedrooms back then as if they were home, you know, and you know, there's a yearning and I, and I could, I could turn that off to protect myself or just let it, you know, bother me. And I, I just want to let it bother me. And I, or I could, I want to be connected to Allie. I could want her to, to give me space to protect me from that. You know, because she's, she's texting me all the time during the day. And I want to be able to respond to her. And I want to connect with her. And at sometimes I, I don't or can't or I'm in the middle of a deep conversation and don't want to be, don't want, don't want to have a soul focus. You know, but I also want to be an impeccable partner to her. You know, and it's not my experience, I think, with driven, ambitious people. They really want to do well. They want to be top performers in whatever they're doing. And it also occurs like they want to be a great fill in the blank husband, wife, partner. And this tension, at least for me, this is more autobiographical. The tension baked in here is I don't know if I can pull it all off. And so I'd rather lower the vision or try to get other people to have lower expectations so that I don't have to face what I'm not, you know, or face what I can't do or face what I, so anyway, these are all, these are all really present conversations for me on a, you know, moment by moment basis, even right now. Yeah. Um, As, as we got started, I got a text from a very sweet text from Allie as a response to something I'd sent her. And, you know, I'm in this moment a lot of like, should, can I can I text her back and connect with her and you know I, I I I in some ways Dan what I like about what you're saying is there's there's permission baked into what you're saying yeah yeah you know and I and at least one of the things that I make up about I think a lot of people that live in this tension is they don't especially people that are like in executive roles which essentially they're solving problems all day long essentially the issues that come at you from home aren't problems. They're just com- ongoing conversations to be navigated, some decisions to make, but there's not a lot of like problems to solve. So it's like, you know, if I were to, you know, connect with Allie for a couple minutes and she brings a few things that are going on, I don't know what to do about that except for just to listen and give her a hug. And that's actually the solution <laughs> is there's nothing to do. It's just to be connected, which is your vision for it, Dan. Yeah. The whole idea of presence, right? I, 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 there, it came to a point where I had to get honest with myself that 
it, it was like, for, I'm not saying this for any everybody, but for me, there was a a part of me that didn't want to go home, that, mm-hmm. that didn't want to deal with. And when I started looking at that, I had to get honest about, well, why don't I? You know, why do I get so mad at her? And why don't I stay in touch, right? Why don't I connect? And a big part of it was, I know what to do at work. I feel very confident in my work. It's funny. You can be in a conflict and, and with a company, and I'm excited. Let's go. But at home, I'm afraid. I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a good husband. I, I Half the time, I don't understand my wife and how to best meet her. And that's a, that's a you know, that took and has taken courage to be vulnerable about that to her, right? Rather than get defensive or angry or attacking or, you know, I get arrogant. I puff up because I want to hide the fear that I can't meet her. You know, I don't, I don't know how to make, I don't know how to give her what she needs. Yeah. And maybe don't have it. Right. But that was all stuff that was going on inside me. When I look back, when I, I remember thinking about it, I, I journaled a lot about it, wondering why I, I had to get real with, I don't want to. Yeah. Why not? yeah. And why not? Why don't I want to? You know, you know, work, uh, they know me. I have a position. I've earned my way to a position. I have authority. Uh, you know, by the time I'd work myself up into a, a position and, you know, that's, you know, you're more control there at home. And, 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 and like you said, at work where it both takes presence and you are, you know, presence and you're solving issues, problems. Yeah. At home, it's really you know, just being with the kids, like for them and yeah, and being with Eileen to support and to learn. And what I found out in doing it was there's some, there was a lot I didn't even know I didn't know, like how much fun it was to be involved with the kids when they're doing finger painting or playing yeah. with different, you know, she had a daycare. So we were, con- I'd come home to a daycare. Imagine that, like <laughs> two weeks, walk into 12 kids, right? And, it, it, and, and you're probably like the, the most favorite jungle gym. That's right. And <laughs> so coming home and being ready for that was important. Otherwise it would, you know, scare everybody because I'm a bear. I can be a bear too. Right. So, you know, like sometimes if I get mad, my I, I'll, I'll be in my bareness and my son will go, okay, kids, Papa's being a bear now. Let's jump him. Right. Right. <laughs> But that's what he used to do, right? That's great. And it does disarm me, but at first I'm like, ah, and then you know, you get five kids on you. What are you yeah. gonna do? You know. <laughs> but but I think that being connected opens up opportunity to talk about things that normally would be reactive. Yeah. And I think a lot of like a lot of people go to therapy for this stuff. And I, I think one of the breakdowns, and I, I have good friends who are therapists. We talk all the time. Um, they come through our trainings, and I've worked with them, and I've gained a lot from them. And one of the things we talk about is marriage therapy is a problem. In is there's a challenge in therapy because, particularly around professionals, because you you know here you don't see your spouse very often, you know, and then once a week you sit down for an hour. And do nothing and talk about your problems. Yeah. Now, if you haven't stayed connecting during connected during the week, that hour is not going to be very productive. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> no, right. And, and, and that's why when marriage when marriage therapy doesn't work, I think that's one of the major reasons. But if I'm connected to my wife all week 
If I'm staying connected and in conversation, when I walk in that room, when we, when we did therapy, we did therapy for a number of years. We had a great therapist. And when I did that, there were such great sessions that really helped us come together and connect and learn about each other, about how we could support each other, right? Yeah. Create some synergy. Well, there's a, I was just thinking about that this morning. So in real time, you know, we were getting the kids ready for, uh, for uh, breakfast. I'd made breakfast. I made breakfast around here most of the time. Allie was doing the stuff she was doing, which was ordering groceries and blah, blah. And, um, and then we sat down and I could feel Allie's distance. And I just said, I, and I said, are you in the deep woods today? And she said, no. We code for like, are you separate today? She said, no. But then she left for a workout pretty cold and, and our, you know, just kind of goodbye, peck on the, you know, peck kiss and goodbye. And I'm like, you know, I'm noticing this. And then I, then I, it, it, for the next, I don't know, 30 minutes, I'm in my head about it. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've noticed it and then I'm judging her about it. Why is she doing this? And it's like, you know, then I'm like, here's the pattern, blah, blah, blah. And I'm off to coming back with this is a boomerang. And coming back. Yeah. Well, and I know, I mean, and I don't, I say there's a pattern because there is, I knew a text would be coming. Uh, but what was fascinating to me is how much time I spent wanting her to be a different way so that I could feel a different way. I was actually bothered by it. Now, my bothering could be um, I shouldn't be bothered and it's her fault. Those were probably the two major thoughts. I shouldn't be bothered. Like, you know, my like, morning's messed up now. Like it's an, incon- like it's an inconvenience. Like it's yeah. an inconvenience. And why is she doing this to me? You know, those are the first two thoughts. And then I finally hit, well, hey, if she's disconnected, that's okay. Maybe she needs to be disconnected this morning. Like, that's okay. Like, you know. And then she sent the text saying, I felt, you know, disconnected this morning. And I could either take that personally, which I do all the time. I take her feedback about what's happening personally, like an attack. It's not always an attack. That's not even always a judgment. But I take it like a judgment. But I just ended up saying to her, it's like, yeah, I, I could tell. Come, I can't wait to get done with your workout and come home and we get to connect. And there, there wasn't a response to that. I think she was in her workout during it. So now I'm just waiting. And then she comes back and like we embrace and it, the world's good. But it's like how much is an hour and an hour and a half time there that I could be caught up in what's missing or what's wrong instead of really the aim of what I want, because I actually want to be connected to her. And I, I say that connect to your story, Dan, if you're having conversations to only analyze what's wrong and whose fault it is, then you're going to have a, you're going to have a pretty crappy experience because, uh, you know, everything's like a, you know, proctology exam, or do you come together and have a conversation about what we want and how both of us can give to get it very different mood of the conversation. Cause that's future. That's hope. That's generous. That's love. That's what's possible, you know, and both of you are in to make something happen. And so no, it doesn't matter where you are right now. Cause we're in and we're headed somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so this is a dance that I'm always in around. If I'm looking at what I don't, what I have and I don't want, and whose fault it is, or, you know, buddying up to what I have and saying, okay, what's the gap and what can I give to get what I want? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, stop I, resisting the temptation to villainize anybody. 
her or me. Yeah, that whole question about what's wanted and needed to bring, like, like it goes back to the conversation we had about stand. Like, yeah. what's my stand here, regardless of how I feel? What's my, what am I committed to, regardless of what's going on? Like, what, what am I, what is it I'm committed to? That, and that, if I really keep my head in that, even though I don't, may not feel it, it starts to order my thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And I start, and I notice I come off it. it I, I might start out a little rough and pretty soon I smooth out like you just described. But I think that's directly related to the willingness to be clear about what I actually want to have with my, my partner. Yeah. And that I'm willing to give my, I'm going to be the first one. To, I'm going to act open-handedly in that way without a condition that they have to be somewhere for me to be that way. Yeah. What I hear. Yeah. This is this is poking at where I wanted to be when we were about to wind wind down in the conversation. So this is beautiful, and you guys have already laid it out. But I want to be very clear and poignant on this: is that we on the podcast we talk all the time about the conversations that are under the conference table or under the office table, and we're only talking about the things that are on top. We're not really talking about the things that are controlling the conversation or controlling the relationship or connection, right? That are dictating how we show up and all that kind of stuff. And this is the same exact thing. Dan, as I hear you talk about your years of experience in getting a handle on this, Adrian, your personal experience, considering mine, I know that this turned a corner for me and I Believe me, I still have a ton of work to do that I'm excited to do in this area. But um, when this started to turn for me was when I was willing to have a conversation with Katie about what's under the table. What are we not talking about when it comes to coming home, responsibilities, not connecting throughout the day? How do we feel? What's wanted? What's needed? So I just wanted to, I wanted to really punctuate that so that people coming away from this conversation, it's clear, it's it's most likely a result, if you're experiencing this, it's most likely a result of a conversation you're unwilling to have at this point. Yeah, there's a, I noticed too, now this is, <laughs> going to have some fun with this one. The fear of missing out, right? When I look back at some of the ridiculous tantrums that I've thrown with my wife, and my spouse, and, and even my kids. It's around my own fear of missing out on something other than, like, like being here is causing me to miss out on something else. Yeah. Yep. And I remember thinking a long time about that, like, what the hell is that, right? And I noticed today people are more familiar with FOMO. Mm -hmm. Like, but they, it's such a, it's talked about like, oh, it's just a thing that comes up. But I, I connected it to the fear of death, but it's a neurosis. For me, it, it was an neurosis that put me in a in a place where I was always going somewhere, but I was never being anywhere. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's a form of, if you will, despair. It's like living in the third person. Yeah. Right? I'm I'm just living in the third person. I'm describing my life. I'm describing what ought to be to myself and to everybody else. I'm pissed off that it's not that way for Dan. Uh, you know, and I started when I started to get connected to it, I realized it's a form of despair. And I wasn't really being honest with myself that if I don't choose to be here now, like in this moment, then I'm never going to get there. 
wherever there is. And, and then I started thinking about, I'm going to, I've lived a life. Like I wouldn't have lived a life. I'm going to die without ever being alive. Cause I'm constantly, I, and that was the, I was, it was so frustrating. I go to work and enjoy my work and see a huge difference and then come home and fight. And this polemic was really driving me crazy. And I, the only consistent factor in both places was me. So I was like, what's missing for me at home that I seem to provide at work? And what's really going on for me about going home? And it led to a lot of different conversations. Like I realized I never liked going home as a kid. I hated it because my, you know, I came from a pretty conflicted home. So going home was just a horrible thing. And it was nothing I could control. Right. So I, I was always finding a way to, you know, find my space. And I realized there was some of that going on in there. There's still like, oh my God, here's a conflict at home. I don't know how to deal with it. Immediately that's what came up. But I, you know, I'm no longer seven years old or 10 years old or 14 years old. You know, I'm, you know, I'm an old, I was an older man at the time. I was like in the 30s, my late 30s. And so it, I started realizing, well, maybe I'm, you know, I should just go see. It's like, what is it going to take? And what, what was surprising to me was that's when all the connections started to show up is God, the more I stayed connected, the more I enjoyed coming home and the better my work was, more grounded I was even for my work because it was, it was a foundation and there, there could be upsets on either side, but there was a groundedness because I was connected to both. Wasn't, they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't siloed. In fact, I think the biggest compliment I ever got was from Mark Edwards when he said, I want to do to get to know you and to go into business with you because it seemed like your life was integrated. Like you, you didn't have work and home that work and home were closely integrated. People knew each other and, you know, yeah. we were, there was an exchange, not just a transaction. Yeah. I was thinking about that point at the beginning of this conversation. Um, Cause I think a lot of the conflicts happen and I'll speak of it generally, but also I could speak of it specifically for me. The conflicts happen whenever there's like this unspoken agreement against about the Adrian that's at work and the Adrian that's at home. Like those are two different people. And there's like a set of concerns and personality that shows up at work. And then there's a set of concerns and personality that shows up at home and they're not to be, you know, mixed. And I, I think, I think that's a lot of people's, we, we've been having a conversation here about how to take care of home. Really. The beginning of the conversation was about how to deal with frustration coming home. And I think part of how, and I'll say it for myself, part of, how home seems to threaten my other concerns because I haven't been in this conversation that you're having, Dan, about how do I integrate them? Yeah. Cause I got to like turn it off. I got to turn work Adrian, quote unquote, work Adrian off and then act like I'm only now I'm dad and husband. Now I'm dad and partner Adrian. And I've, I've got, you know, seven layers of work concerns in the back of my head that I got to try to act like they're not there. And so then the whole thing is like, just try to keep this thing together. But, you know, kids become a threat. Then Allie becomes a threat. Then it becomes something else, something that's kind of in the way. A threat to a threat to taking up your well, time. or attending. The bandwidth, yeah. time, the mental you know, bandwidth for sure. For me is like the mental bandwidth. How am I going to deal with everything I got going on over here? If I could just, if I'm playing Legos or painting, I got to run it. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Legos, man. Legos, a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love Legos. It was great. It was, um, 
But anyway, so I, I was just thinking about that. Like the, there's there's are sometimes some type of agreement. Let me let me get to the point. I guess for me, the point for me is that I tend to, and I guess the spe- specificity of my work or our work is, you know, we're kind of the guy that got has it together at work, and we're the one that's leading the conversations or being the advisors or that type of role. And then at home, uh, you know, it's a much more nebulous and gray and I don't have to be on at home, quote unquote at home. It's in the same building. But when I'm at and playing those roles and I'm actually more comfortable, you know, when I've got it all together and like high energy on my toes, Adrian, I'm actually more comfortable that way. At home, when I'm like actually grumpy or just tired or God forbid have needs. I mean, this is a, this is a conversation that's, I don't know, newer for me for sure. Uh, over the last few years is I actually, I need a lot more help than I'm willing to admit most of the time. Mm-hmm. And most and of the time, if and, I, and I don't like asking for it and I don't like asking for it. Yeah. I always say, I always need more help than I want. I, I can see home as adversarial uh, until I decide to actually have, Allie and I was just talking about this last night when I ask her for help, because if I'm all stressed out and I try to act not stressed out, then she feels my aggression, right? Yeah, very sensitive. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> not going to work. But if I'm stressed out and say, wow, I'm still really stressed out from work, or I'm stressed out about this thing, or I've still got this thing on my head, or I've got this promise I made to a client that I didn't complete on yet, she's immediately empathetic. It's not a problem for her. She'd actually rather be connected to me and my concerns than to have this kind of polished version of Adrian there. That's always surprising to me only because of what I make up. Like I got to have it together or I got to like be even like be the quote unquote provider all the time. I don't actually, I can be just a person that's also uh, in the room and (laughs) you know, I'll never forget. I volunteered to teach the second graders and my, my, we homeschool our kids most of the time, but I had sent them to a Catholic school at this time and, the second graders were having problems, some of them reading. And I had taught my son how to read when he was four. So and they asked me to come in and because he was a good reader. And I thought, would you be willing to teach the readers, kids? And I remember thinking to myself, I was sitting there. She, she made the call and my wife goes, what's wrong? And I go, well, then, you know, Sister Julian called and wants me to come in and teach reading. She goes, what's the problem? You're good at that. I go, well, you know, I got a lot of work to do. And she goes, and my wife looked me right in the face. She says, and tell me what's more important than doing this with the kids. Like, what works more important to that? And I was like, oh, shit, I know. Why'd you do that? Right. But, but I don't have time. She goes, no, you have time, Dan. It's you don't want to order your, your brain. She told me, she goes, you just want to, you like to engage your brain in whatever you want while you're doing it. But this causes you to engage your brain and be specific right there. And, this is good discipline. You could put everything off. It'll actually be a, a vacation. She was right. Because I'd have to focus on the lesson and sit down. With, I had this little kid, Sebastian, from Yugoslavia who couldn't speak English well. And I was working with him. I remember I just got so involved with him. That hour went like that every Monday. Bam. And pretty soon I'm talking to the kids on the phone. Their parents are calling. And, I, and she was right. It was like a vacation. I just had to get in my head 
that this is the headspace. I give the space, my headspace to this now. Everything else goes away. It'll be there when I get back. That was her word. Don't worry. They'll still be there when you get back. <laughs> you can do the hour from eight to nine in the morning. You can do it. <laughs> there will That's still great. be work tomorrow. That's right. Every People will still want trainings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. But it, it really became what was... I think the transformation for me was it went from being a burden to a refuge, right? And I've had a lot of things like that happen for me. Reading was like that. I used to hate to read because I was dyslexic. And, and it became, by forcing myself to, to, to do it because it had value, it became a refuge. Yeah. I've had a number of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that takes... that that requires you finding wanting to find value there. Yeah. Like recognizing the value that could be there. Like that's right. Why would I do this is the question to live out of. Right. Yeah. Instead of something else to do, some other problem to solve, some other person that needs you, you know, that's when I can get victimy about it. It's like, okay, what else now? Yeah. Yeah. Or, that was, that's what Eileen was interrupting. Like, <laughs> let's get, let's just put this in perspective. Like how often do we stop, or allow our spouse or partner to stop us and bring perspective to what we think we're up to. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. You've done that, both of you guys have done that quite well for me. And, you know, we were talking to Jenny on that one interview. She so inspired me. I, it was like, that was one of those check-ins where you go, wow, this is whole new opportunity by just being there. You know, it was like listening to her, lit a, a fire in me that I had wasn't even aware of. And I wouldn't have been if I didn't show up in that moment in that time and not get distracted by 10 other things and, or just try to get through the interview. Right. Mm. It was good. Yeah. Lit a fire in me. Yeah. That's great. Well, go ahead, Adrian. I was just going to say, I mean, one of the biggest conversations for me, well, Maybe I'll frame it this way. I mean, I, the frame is, you know, what, what type of relief am I looking for? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think the relief I want will come from being left alone. Because that's, that's usually the conversation in my head is, can everybody just shut up? Can everybody just leave me alone? Like, that's where my head, that's where my head is. That's what I think what is what I need. I think after that, if that were happening, then I would have the relief. But really, usually, it's, it's, it's not that it's actually, can I be myself? You know, that's really, can I, you know, I, maybe I'm on running on empty in the moment or I'm tired or frustrated or I'm alone. And is that enough? Is that okay? Can I just go be that person? And, and usually it's actually exactly what's needed. It's back to the presence conversation. So yeah. I'll, I'll sometimes be in such a scarce, in such scarcity that I won't see the opportunity there. Yeah, isn't that always the case, the presence? I mean, yeah, it really is bringing yourself to the party. Uh, the whole saying, you know, Mark Twain, men die at 27, we just bury them at 72. is yep. quite profound, really. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that in myself how many times I've wanted just to be a, an empty suit walking around. <laughs> yep. I yep. know for one way that that's shown up for me, Adrian, that just sparked so much was um my fear of being silly mm -hmm. 
like letting loose, like actually seeing who shows up when I'm silly yeah. and how that goes down and what's, what do I do and what do I say and all, and you know, and so I've actually been practicing having, <laughs> I've been setting a, to- a stopwatch because I, I just find whatever. I've got so much garbage about it, but I've been setting a stopwatch in which I have to be silly with one of my kids for that amount of time, regardless, whatever comes up, whatever I feel like doing, whatever we're playing. If, you know, if my daughter wants to, if she wants to like ballroom dance around the house and laugh and whatever I'm, I'm in, I have to for the, for that. And it's, it's um it's been a really interesting process for me and i've i've really loved it i'm also noticing through this conversation that i want to have another i'm committed to having another conversation with katie around this idea of how what's wanted and needed how do we how can we what's possible with integrating my work and our home life and her work and i think there's so much more there for us to continue to discover yeah I get that question all the time. I know we get that question all the time about like work life balance. And I hope we get over that as a culture. Mm. Uh, Cause it's not coming like that is just, it's a game that will never be won. Cause it's a, it's a zero sum game. Someone's got to lose work loses or a family loses or even self loses. I know I can, I can just, I can, I can use myself at work and use myself at home and then forget myself and really not pursue. I mean, I, I'm, we're in some conversations with people with uh, people right now about who they are and they're very successful and, you know, lost a sense of self over the years of really just kind of being whatever they needed to be for whoever was in front of them. And then they they find out that, you know, at the end of the day, when the, when they're actually ultimately successful in their business, who am I now? And they've, they, you know, they've been just chasing this thing on how do I keep everybody happy um, instead of how do I integrate these worlds together and introduce them. And it's much more gray. It's less the, the mechanism doesn't work. Um, you know, you got to really just show up and be with what is and and then aim it where you want it to go and then be in real conversations with the other parties involved and how they're affected, whether that's the home conversations, the kids and the sacrifice and all that. I mean, the look on my son's face today when I said, Hey, it's not a work day. It's a no school day for you, but the babysitter's coming and his look at me shattered me because I'm going to be up here for seven hours, not playing with him. And that's just it. You know, he's just shattered. He doesn't get what he wants. He wants to hang out with dad all day and I get it. And I love him. And, you know, or if it's the work, the work side of things. We're going to, you know, need to negotiate with them about other priorities, you know, because if I don't look at, if I'm not leaning into the conversation, like it's my job to have vision for architect um, launch and then continue to refine the relationships in that area. If I don't take responsibility for that, you know, hierarchy, then I'll feel like either side is doing it to me. And as soon as I feel like that, then I'm a victim of what's happening and then resentment comes and then I'm trying to play catch up all the time. So, you know, that being on our toes and being in the, in the creative space is usually what's wanted needed um, in order to make anything like this work. 
Hmm. I love it. This has been great. I've yeah. got pages of notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're taking us back to Epic Man and having a blast. This one is, self, this one is selfish for me. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there, though. Chad has a group on Facebook called The Epic Man. Is that correct? Becoming an Epic Man. Yeah, if something to check out, gentlemen. If you're interested, I find it to be extremely inspiring and valuable. And just want to say great job, Chad. I think that thing's awesome. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I'm even I'm even considering now doing some sort of little mini wear- workshop around this idea. I think it would be really powerful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to anything you do. You, I just have really enjoyed the content and, and the the quality of uh, conversation on that on that page is excellent. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning it. All right, yeah. guys. Thanks so much today for today. This has been awesome. Awesome. Good to be with you guys. Ciao. Bye, everybody. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. 